Welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. My name is Sam Hind, and today I get the pleasure of sharing with you an interview that I did with the beautiful Angela Lucenti. Angela is a top earner uh, in the network marketing industry. And what I love about her story is not only is she um, growing an amazing business right now that she's going to share a little bit with you about, but she's also been in Party Plan. She's done network marketing. She's been in this industry for 15 years, but she, in addition to that, has been in traditional business where she had her very own bricks and mortar clothing business for many years as well. She's had the experience from lots of ends of the entrepreneurial spectrum. And what she's going to share with us today are her hot tips and tricks for growing a business in this space. She's going to share what she loves about the network marketing industry and how to be a successful leader in this space. I love that Angela has had experience of growing a business time and time again. She hasn't just done it once. She didn't get lucky, but she did the hard work. And she's going to share with you some of the things that she knows works to grow a business in this space. So if you are thinking of jumping into direct selling, maybe party plan, maybe it's network marketing, maybe it's MLM, or maybe you're already in this industry and you're wondering how can you get from where you are now to where you want to be? This is going to be the podcast interview for you. I know you're going to find this one super valuable. She shares, of course, some awesome golden nuggets all throughout this episode. So have that pen and paper ready. So grab your cup of tea or coffee, tune on in. I know you're going to love this episode and enjoy. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm super privileged to be joined today by the beautiful Angela Lucenti. Welcome on into the podcast, Angela. Oh, thank you so much, Sam. I'm a huge fan of your uh, show, and I'm really excited to be here today. Uh, Look, I'm really excited to chat to you because I feel like this is going to be a lot of fun. We've got someone who's been in the industry for, and we've just sort of had a bit of a briefing, but you said 15 years you've been in the direct selling industry now. Yeah, it's um, 15 years. I feel like it's gone by in a flash, Um, but uh, yeah, 15 15 years um, in, in the direct selling industry. I love it. And what I love about your story the most is that You have uh, had businesses in not just network marketing or MLM, but also you've been in party plans. You've had quite a broad experience of the industry from lots of different areas. And on top of that, you've also rebuilt your business multiple times, which I think is really encouraging because one of the things that we tend to, to worry about is, you know, I can't do that because I wasn't in the right place at the right time or that person got lucky. And You've kind of proven to yourself and everybody else that, hey, you know what, it's not about luck at all, is it? No, I think um, one of the big fallacies in the industry is that everyone's looking for the perfect storm. Um, But to be honest, it's you that creates that storm. And, you know, I've seen people come into this industry, you know, with a company that might be 10 years old right right um right at the end and and still create an amazing business yeah. and then i've seen people come in right at the beginning when they think that you know that's the best time to jump in and uh, not have uh, much success so for me the perfect storm is always about what's going on in your life and what you need uh, both personally and for your family yeah i love that so good creating your own perfect storm what a great analogy 
Now, just before we get in, because I've got some questions I want to throw at you today that I think our listeners are going to be uh, really excited to hear. But can you tell us a little bit about you, you know, Angela behind the business, Angela in the business? Tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, well, um, I live in Melbourne in Australia and I'm turning 53 this year. So I uh, had to get used to having a five in front of my age. Oh, my um, goodness. <laughs> you do. I've, I've, I'm not sure. I just want to say you've aged extraordinarily well. You look wonderful. <laughs> uh, well, I, well, to me, I think the industry really provides a, a level of lifestyle that helps people to stay young as well. Um, and let's face it, some of the best products you'll ever buy um, are found right here in our industry. Um, But when I think back right to the beginning of my career, I mean, through my 20s, um, I was a real, I guess you describe me as a Mm go-getter, chasing every promotion I could. I worked in the fashion industry in Melbourne, which was a thriving industry back in those days, and I absolutely loved it. I worked with a lot of retailers all over Australia and New Zealand, helping them to put their, you know, product range together for each season. But when I got married and then I was, uh, you know, almost 30 when I was pregnant with my first child, I really started to, you know, freak out about the whole idea of going on maternity leave and having to go back to work, you know, for a boss. And that's when, you know, my husband and I kind of thought, well, how about I go into business for myself? How about I become my own boss and, you know, really get that flexibility that I needed to be, you know, not just you know, the mum I wanted to be, the wife, the daughter, but also to just be me. I mean, I love doing long lunches with friends and, you know, I wanted that freedom. So I actually opened two fashion boutiques um, in Melbourne (laughs) in the space of three years and I had two babies. I want balance. I'm going to open two businesses. Yeah, it's... (laughs) Well, you know, it's amazing what you think is easy uh, through the different stages of your life. So at 29, I thought, yeah, that's easy. What a great idea. Mm. Oh, look, I was a crazy pregnant woman and no one argues with a pregnant woman, right? So I was uh, up on a ladder painting a a new shop and I was eight months pregnant. But I had it all nutted out in my head and I I thought, this can work. You know, I'll get staff in to manage the day-to-day business. I'll work the background. I'll do all the buying. I'll do all the fun stuff. And it kind of worked out that way for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, anyone that's ever been in traditional business, you know what it's like. You lock the door, go home, and it just follows you around for 24 hours a day. You know, you are consumed with everything about it because there's a lot at stake, Sam. Mm -hmm. You know, the overheads, end of month, it's crazy. and Responsibility for staff, yeah. Yes. (laughs) And also, like, reliability of staff. Mm. Yep. I remember, I've got the funniest story. I was sitting on a beach down the peninsula here in Melbourne. It was a hot day in January. Like, this is my time to be away with the kids. They were little. I'm on the beach and I get this phone call. I know the ceiling is. had dropped down in oh. my store, the whole ceiling. And I'm sitting on the beach thinking, okay. I said to my <laughs> store manager, okay, lock the door and go home. We'll deal with it tomorrow. Like, you know, when things go wrong in traditional business, they go really wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't see that story coming. I thought you were just going to give a standard, you know, staff have walked out style. <laughs> no, no. The roof has like, actually literally fallen in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The whole roof. It's like my, she's on the end of the phone crying. Like, you know, someone could have been really hurt. Oh um, yeah. So yeah. So look, you know, it was 12 years of the best of times and look, to be honest, it did give me that boss role 
And, you know, I was able to make decisions that were best for my boys. I've got two sons who are both adults now, almost 21 and 24. Um, And my husband and I, we made a great team because he worked the 40-year career. He still works for the same company that he started with when he was 18 years old. So, yeah, so he's done the 40-year career and I've been the what I call the entrepreneur. And I've had a lot of love and support from him along the way and he's really been, you know, the one that has encouraged me to do that. So Mm -hmm. 12 years in traditional business and then one day I just went, I can't do this anymore. It was like I had this complete and utter breakdown and it was it was six years after the ceiling broke down, uh, came down. So it wasn't the ceiling that did it, but I think it was just a combination of a lot of things that mm. were just not going right. Uh, and yeah. look, the online space was starting to thrive. It was yeah. 2007, mm-hmm. and a lot of my customers were coming in, going, "Hey, look what I bought online!" And I'm like, "I've got that in my shop," <laughs> but they were buying and shopping online because it yeah. was effortless. It was easy. You know, and they loved, they actually loved the thrill of the online store. Yeah. So, yeah. So going from someone who's got experience in traditional bricks and mortar style business where you lock the door at night, you know, you you come back the next day, you order things, you have staff, you know, you're dealing with all those traditional, very logical, uh, typical business style scenarios to go from that to direct selling. How did you make that transition? And was it a, was it an obvious thing or was it like a, you know, how did you feel about jumping into this industry from the get-go, from the beginning? Well, look, it was it was a really interesting process because the first direct selling company that I I partnered with was actually a party plan company. So it was kind of like um, a sisterhood, which I really loved. Yeah. And the things that stood out to me, because this is, you know, what I've learned over the years, if you want someone to be engaged with what you're doing if you've got a business and you're talking to people and you want them to see what's great about your business well you have to highlight the things that make it great for them yeah so there's no use talking about things that are irrelevant for them there's a lot of mums like mums with young kids and we talk about oh the free trips you know, yeah. who doesn't love to travel for free? And yeah. a lot of young mums are like, well, I can't travel. I've got three or four kids. So what the person that introduced me to Party Plan, what she did really well was say to me, how would you love to have a business that you had virtually no overheads, no yeah. landlord, no shop, no staff to worry about, no end of month? And I'm like, that sounds pretty cool. And then, <laughs> and she's, yeah. and then she's like, and what if you can earn the same or maybe more money? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, cha-ching. <laughs> I'm in. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that's so interesting about this industry is you actually get all of the benefits of running your own business, but none of the, you know, the downsides. You know, you've got someone handling the marketing for you. You've got someone, you know, creating all of the new products for you. You know, all of that stuff's done. The training's all done for you to kind of rock up and, and away you go. It's really quite unique and interesting in that way, isn't it? Well, the most powerful part of this industry is leverage. Yeah. You know, you don't get that in any other job, in any other business. The fact that you can partner with a company and you can become, you know, a, a, a seven-figure owner, okay, let's throw it out there. You can be whatever you want to be and you never have to buy the products to stock. You never have to worry about the distribution. You never have to worry about the the financial side of it. Everything is done for you. 
And yeah. you just, I, I always say to my guys, you just worry about two things and that's sales and marketing and maybe not in that order. Marketing yeah. and the sales come from that. Yeah. Um, so that was really important for me because I'd been so overwhelmed with so many parts of the traditional business and it was great that I could strip away all those things that were mm. mundane and that were stressful and just worry on the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Now, your business, you have, uh, like over the last 15 years, you sort of pivoted and moved a few times. You've you've started in party plan. You've then morphed into network marketing, uh, which is also, you know, MLM, depending on where you are in the world. What, what was the, um, I guess, the catalyst for you to go from party plan into network marketing? What were the key differences? For those listeners out there that are going, what's the difference between the two? Just to clarify, they're both in direct selling, but they're two different arms of direct selling. So can you describe it in your, your, your best terms, Angela, for those that have no idea what the difference might be? Yeah. And look, I have to be, I always, you know, make sure that I'm very respectful because I, I'm great friends with a lot of women that have done really well in party plan. And mm. I, you know, I became a six figure earner in party plan. I actually earned more money than I did in my traditional shop business. Yeah. Um, but the things that were really starting to um, consume me in party plan was the fact that I was working a lot in my children's downtime yeah. and my family downtime. So a lot of my shows were done at night or on weekends. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this has changed over the years. As it has. There's been a big shift in the last 18 months to online, which has taken a lot of that weight, I think, off uh, party plan. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But 10 years ago, you know, that was the only way that I could really yeah. grow my business. So that part of it, but also the fact that um, the, the company that I was with at the time um, was only um, in Australia. And I I just, I got excited about the idea of growing internationally. I yep. got excited about the leverage of a platform that also included residual income and the way that residual income is created in a network marketing model yeah. is a bit is a bit different. So, but of course, it takes a lot more time to do that because party plan is really great. You get upfront income really quickly. Um, network marketing, depending on where you're at, uh, that can take some time. But yeah, for me it was those clear things like I could work on an on a global platform. I could I could uh, do it without having to be face to face with people. And I I just loved the idea of of being able to grow an organization. Yeah. Um, so so that was yeah that was what, what really got me excited and enough to really look at network marketing. Yeah, love it. So you have rebuilt your business a few times and you know you've you've proven the fact that it's not up to luck. You know, it's like you said, you create your own perfect storm. So let's talk about the perfect storm for a moment. In the creation of your perfect storm that leads to you having a six or a seven figure income, which is entirely possible. You've you've proven that time and time again. How do you prioritize your time in your business to create that perfect storm? What does that look like for you? So, you know, look, it's it's uh it's hard to explain to that not everyone is the same right so we all have different boundaries Mm -hmm. um I do this full-time it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that I do it 24 7 but it just means I have a lot more pockets of my time where I can choose to do it um whereas most and you know there are a lot of women I would say more than 80 percent of my organization are women so women are managing a lot of roles they wear a lot of hats and I always try and pinpoint well what 
pockets of your time um, are going to give you the most quality time for you to build the business. Mm-hmm. And it could just be pockets of 15 minutes throughout the day yep. that accumulate to an hour or two hours or whatever they can do. For me personally, you know, I I when I started in Party Plan and when I went to network, network marketing, I took the same philosophy that I had in my traditional business. So it was that discipline of knowing that I am growing a, a viable business. It mm-hmm. may not have cost me a lot to start this, but the investment, the biggest investment I have here is my time. Yeah. So in, in party plan, as in network marketing, um, the industry, it doesn't cost a lot to get into. So that means a lot of people don't really value the the um, investment. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword, Sam. Yeah. So people think, well, it only cost me a few hundred dollars. I don't really have to work as hard. Yeah. So, so for me, I treat it exactly like I would my business that cost me a few hundred thousand dollars to invest and, and yeah. to start. And if you do that, if you go in with that mindset of this business just cost me, let's just say a hundred thousand, yeah. how different would you approach it? Would, yeah, that's a really good point. You know, sometimes we don't value uh, what we have because it's it's come by us so easily. So I think that's a really valid thing to keep in mind. It's like, to me, it's like being literally handed a business or, you know, gifted a business that you don't have to have all of those upfronts for. And, you know, you don't have to create the products. You don't have to decide what you're going to to stock and you don't even have to have it on stock. That's the other cool thing about it. All of that's looked after for you. So when it comes to that time that you do spend in your business, so I think we've established that you, you know, you're spending probably a lot more time than the average person might on their business in this industry. But, you know, when you've rebuilt your business, those uh, those times that you've done that, what have you prioritized first? What to you has been the most important, I guess, task, uh, the, the income earning tasks that get you that head start, that kickstart to get that momentum going? Well, I guess it's the same for anyone that's wanting to build in this industry. It's all about um, getting the information in in front of as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's like peaking interest and then passing on information yeah. um, and then getting them, uh, passing them on to someone else that can share the story maybe better than you can. Yeah. And as a new person to any new company, that's what I would recommend because, you know, this industry, it's like you're selling a Hollywood blockbuster, right? Mm-hmm. But it starts off with the trailer and that's the peak interest. You just want to get someone curious enough that they want to see more. So I spend a lot of time doing that and then 80% of my time working on my personal business, but then I spend 20% of my time working with team and leaders especially yeah. um, and showing them how to do that. So yeah. it's like, here's how do I peak interest? You know, it's that one question, one or two questions that really focuses on what people need. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't know that until you ask the questions. Um, So if you can get an understanding of where someone is at, what they need that they're not getting from that job or that business, um, whether they're in the industry or not, and then presenting your information in a way that's going to pique their interest based on what they need for them. because. The conversations we have are never about us. One of the biggest mistakes I see is that we get so absorbed in our story, we really forget to find out what that person needs. So I spend a lot of time just focused on finding new people, 
um, learning about them, what do they need that they haven't got, what have I got that can fill that gap, that can solve that problem and yeah. showing it to them in a way that they the light bulb goes off. They yeah. go, oh, this actually, maybe I can do this. Yeah. No, I love that. Now, that actually leads me to another question, which is we're going to take a little bit of a left turn here, but you talked about, uh, you know, leaning on your leader, which I think is fantastic and great advice. Absolutely, 100% lean on your leaders, those that have brought you into the business. But the next step is one that I think gets a lot of people a bit caught. It's one of the reasons I think a lot of people don't enter the industry in the first place. And then it's the reason this industry tends to get a bad name. And that's because when people come in, they don't know how to appropriately approach their existing networks. So for someone who's had to do this a few times, have you got any tips, do's or don'ts for, you know, creating that curiosity, but in the right way so that you don't create a bad name for yourself and um, and the business as a whole? Yeah, I mean, look, there's no doubt that the industry does get a really bad rap because people, and it's normally people that create that yeah. because they're hopping from company to company and the story that they're sharing is actually sometimes demeaning of where they've been yep. and I'm really mindful of that I mean when I left party plan um I've you know I still think it's an amazing industry and I, and I feel like you're right in the last 18 months it's come along in leaps and bounds because mm. they've started to really um embrace all the online strategies but when I was with my last company for nine years, had an incredible time there, moving to a new company was never about was never about my old company. It was about what I needed, what mm-hmm. my vision was, and it was about, um, I, I guess, you just, I, I wanted to wear a new outfit. You know, yeah. it's, it's no, like, you, for me, it wasn't about my old company wasn't enough for me. It was like nine years I'd, I'd done an amazing job there growing an incredible team, but it was time for me to move forward. So what I did, and I think what I did really well was share my story of mm-hmm. gratitude mm-hmm. and share my story of growth mm-hmm. and then, you know, share my story of my vision. Because yep. when you do that and you do it the right way, it's not demeaning and no one will ever go, Also, oh, that company wasn't great. Because So let's say you've got someone who's never been in the industry before and, and they want to take that step into direct selling and they want to know how to appropriately tell, you know, provide a little piece of information, you know, share the trailer if you like, um, as you mentioned before. They want to appropriately share the trailer with their family and friends, but they don't want to go down as pounding and hassling. I can tell you right now, I reckon I get three or four messages a week from people who have friended me on Facebook, um, people that don't know what I do for a living, by the way, which is pretty funny because I think if you knew, you wouldn't be doing this. But they, they, you know, people that have met you through someone, someone, someone down the track and they suddenly send you this bombardment of information and you can't shake them. So, you know, how do you share that trailer with family and friends? Let's say you're coming into the industry from scratch. What advice would you give to somebody? Well, the rule here is that people need to know you like you trust you before you can even talk about, before you can sell them anything. And people don't want to be sold to either, right? So it's got to actually be their idea. So you need to be able to present the information in a way, like I said before, that piques their interest for what they need at that particular time. Now, the, the mistake a lot of people make when they come into the industry is that they think everyone wants a business. 
Yeah. And, that, and the other problem is that they, by doing that, they're kind of demeaning the, you know, the employee role. It's like, oh, who wants to work for a boss anymore? But yeah. let's face it, there's a lot of people who actually do like yeah. their jobs. Yeah. And, and the industry traditionally is a sideline. It's gig. It's a plan B. So people don't necessarily come into network marketing thinking this is going to be my plan A and I'm never doing anything else. I'm leaving my job. It's it's that small bites of the yeah. apple, right? So we wanted we want to teach people how to do this the right way, and that's something that is really important to me. No yeah. matter what company model I'm I'm in, social media has created a bit of a a frenzy of new, very raw, green people to the industry mm. who are just mass spamming, and that's not great. I mean, yeah. that again gives gives us a bit of a bad rap. So what I do is I spend a lot of time with people trying to help them capture their story, put their vision together, and then making their list of who they want to go to. Some people want to work entirely offline, and that's still great. Some people want to work entirely online. But it's those questions so that you can get to know someone that's going to help you put the right information. Now, when it comes to family, I'm going to say, like, I come from this big Italian family in Melbourne, and uh, they were very supportive. Everyone, Everyone tried my products no matter what company I was with. And uh, that's really great, but not everyone has that support. And I've seen that so much over the years. Yeah. So when it comes to family, it's important to arm people mm. with, um, and my team, I'll always say, you may expect this to happen. So yeah. they may get that, oh, you're not doing that, are you? Oh, yeah. no, that doesn't You're work. in pyramid oh. selling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I kind of call it like growing the armour so that yeah. you, if, if you can prepare people for the for those challenges and they can go, oh, Angela told me that was going to happen, so that's okay. But it's yeah. when we send people into the field unarmed with no tools yep. and they get like blindsided by their aunt who says, oh, you're not doing one of those scam things, are you? Like that's that's the person that has the bad experience. So um, I think, you know, education, um, training, but just you know, making sure people are armed with what they need and yeah. understand that this may happen. Yeah. Um, that's really important when you've got someone that's brand new. Yeah. I love that. I love what you've said as well about asking the question, you know, when that's, and that's not, you know, just uh, in this industry, that's one of the key, very most important things you'll learn in any sales role in any sales job you'll ever do is if you don't know the answer yet, you don't know how to approach it, Ask another question and that relationship building aspect that, um, you know, we're constantly preaching, you've got to get people to like, know and trust you before they're going to do business with you in any way, shape or form. And so focusing on that first is so powerful. And I also love the the focus on creating curiosity and intrigue. That's what we, we will teach when it comes to social media. And I love that you're bringing that into all aspects of your business even your conversations. So, you know, having some really good questions up your sleeve to ask people is a really creative way of proactively, you know, leading into that trailer in a sense. So, I love that. Some really good analogies in there. I love the whole, you know, the, the trailer before the movie and creating the perfect storm. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like to get a bit creative. And and look, so I, I've been in sales since I was 15. So, yeah. and and one thing, you know, you mentioned about building relationships. You know, sales, I, I always say to people, uh, a, a sale is just one part of it. Mm. What you really want is for that person to continue coming back. 
Yeah. So if they can have if they can build a relationship with you and have a great experience, even if they don't buy the first time, mm. they will come back. Because sometimes yeah. it takes three, four, five exposures for someone to actually make a purchase. Absolutely. You know, it's actually statistically proven that people need to come across you eight to 12 times before they make a first purchase from you. And that might might be just hearing your name somewhere or seeing you on social media. doesn't necessarily mean direct contacts, but eight to 12 times before they make a decision. It's a really good reminder that building that relationship is key first. And you're right, Angela, once you do that, they come back again and again and again. And that's what you want. You want to build a strong customer base and also a strong team. And obviously that's what you've done and you've done really well because, you know, you've proven it multiple times in business growth. So super powerful to remember that. Now you've obviously, you know, your business is going ahead in leaps and bounds. You're doing amazing things right now. And I'm super excited to watch where you go, even over the next 12 months, uh, let alone the next five years. But I'm sure that along the way, you've had some bumps in the road, maybe some, uh, you know, some experiences or some learnings that you've learned possibly the hard way. Can you share any of those with us? Because I think we often talk about the success and the things we're doing really well, but it's great for our listeners to hear sometimes about the bumps in the road also. Yeah. Oh, look, anyone that says that they've had a dream run in this industry, um, there is no fairy tale, let me tell you. Um, When you see those very successful people on stage, rest assured that they have just been through more speed bumps, more challenges and obstacles than you have because to build at to any kind of level in the industry, you know, you are dealing with people and people are they're very, they come in lots of different varieties. There's lots of personalities and, you know, you just never know what is going to happen mm. when you're dealing with human nature, right? So, <laughs> in, like in my business, I always think about my traditional business. I think, you know, if I made a mistake or something went wrong in that business, it would have cost me a lot of money, right? Mm. When I started in direct sales, I remember one of my mentors said, you know, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Don't be afraid of the challenges because no mistake is ever going to cost you money. Like it's not like, you know, you're going to to be, um, you know, having to pay a huge bill because you made a mistake in this industry. Mm -hmm. So be really brave and and, uh, just put yourself out there and and, and follow the systems that you have in your companies. Um, But I, yeah, I, I just feel like it's a, it's an industry that you need to expect change. You need to expect that things go wrong as often as they go right. Sometimes wrong a bit more often. I accept challenges as, you know, life is happening for you. To quote Tony Robbins, who I absolutely love, um, life is always happening for you. Every challenge and obstacle that, that happens in this industry is opening the door to a fresh new chapter. And if you can embrace those challenges, I mean, I've had to rebuild my business even with my company that I was with nine years things went wrong where I had to rebuild I think in that company I had to rebuild three times wow right so so you know you don't necessarily build to a certain level a bit of resilience in there too right absolutely (laughs) Sam absolutely yep Yep. and now uh, over the years because you've been in the industry for 15 years um social media has certainly changed a lot it's it's become uh really an inevitable part of your business you can't get away from it now so You know, have you found social media a bit of a redundant question, really, to be a big part of your business? But moreover, how 
are you capitalizing on social media? How do you use it in your business to be effective? Yeah, well, look, if I think back to when I first started in Party Plan, I didn't even have a Facebook right I and um, then when I transitioned to network marketing I kind of thought well I need a brand now so that's when I started my Facebook account and I didn't do very well with it I didn't really know how to use it I really started to hone in on the community value of having social media only in the last three or four years yeah and with Instagram I really only started focusing on that in the last 18 months mm-hmm. and I'm very new to TikTok. So if you go to my I'm surprised you've gone you've gone there. You've gone to the dark side. You've gone to the dark side. We're not this podcast interview is over. Yeah. That's it. But um, Oh dear. I remember when it was musically. Do you remember that? I think a lot of people uh, are unaware of this. I remember my kids having this thing called musically. And uh, I didn't know what they were doing. And I started watching it, paying attention. The next thing you know, that disappeared. We told them they couldn't have it anymore and they went, oh, don't worry, we're using something else now. We're using TikTok. Little did I know it was the same app. It just Wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. But, mm-hmm. but look, when you think about social media, I, I see it as a way to really open up your brand and what you have yeah. to the world. So, you know, I have public profiles on all my platforms and I just love that I can hone in on a message of, you know, Anyone can do what I do. It is an incredible industry and you can do it in your way because what social media has really brought to the table is that we're no longer a cookie-cutter industry. Mm. So you think about the old-school network marketing model, it was really kind of a square peg in a square hole. But over the last few years, we've got a lot of innovation in this space and a lot of millennials joining who just don't want to do the make a list of 100 people and contact, you know, 10 a day. You know, they want to use their phone and they want to do it in, in, you know, any time. What do you mean pick the phone up? Who makes a phone call anymore? (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. I remember the days when it was, you know, phone call after phone call after. (laughs) My son's like, what do you mean you had a curly cord on the phone? What did you do when you went in the car? We've actually still got one on on the, the, my family have got a, a family shared shack and we've got one of the, the actually the landline there is an, an old school landline with the, call, uh, the curly cord and they thought it was decoration on the wall until one day I picked it up to, to make a phone call and my kids were blown away. What is that thing and how how are you talking on it? What I don't understand. I know. We sound, sounds like we're both from the same era, I think, Sam. Um, so, so yeah, so look, I just feel like network marketing really grew wings when social mm. media came in yep. and it probably did take a lot of millennials to come in and show the rest of, you know, the industry how it's done. But now we have a way to really speed up that no like, trust process. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, we, we, we can share links now. We can, you know, we can share videos. We don't have to post anything. Yeah, it's so easy, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly. So, so I feel like what it's done is allowed people to come in and move a lot faster than ever. Like we're seeing more six-figure owners come into the industry faster than ever before. Yeah. Um, And they're doing, a lot of them are doing it um, purely through social media Mm -hmm. and just connecting and um, meeting people and just sharing what they've got. And I love that. I think it's amazing that we, we can do that. 
Yeah, I love that. That's so great. And I just want to tie in something you said before, because I think um, it, people can misunderstand this whole, great, the social media, you can share links, you can share videos. You know, the thing you've got to keep in mind is social media is also information overload. And so what you said before was the importance of the relationship, the importance of connecting with people, earning their trust, getting them to know you so that they listen to what information you have. Because if you simply post, this is where I see people going wrong, they simply post all the information, they put it out there and think, I put it out there, now people can come to me and and buy from me or connect with me or join me. And why aren't they? You know, why isn't this working? And all they're doing is overloading with more information on this platform because they can, but they're missing the old school. I'm going to call it old school, but I don't think it's old school. I just think that that's how some people perceive it. They're missing the old school method of connecting with people and it needs to be both. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no, uh, like, it's no secret. The business is done in the DMs. You know, it's the direct message when you're connecting with people, getting to know them, understanding where they're at. That's where the business and the trust is really built because no one is going to buy anything or join anyone they don't trust. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and spam, like people think about spam in inboxes, but a lot of spam is happening on the main feed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and it it does, it reminds me of like, there's one particular person I've got in mind right now that uh, she doesn't get a hint. She, she's every month without fail. uh, She won't have checked in with me about anything else, but she will check in with me to tell me about the latest special and would I like to place an order. And it's it just, I guess that to me is a little reminder that DM doesn't mean that you earn the right to just DM someone information about your product to get them to do what you want them to do whenever you want. You do need to build a relationship. So I feel like you've got to kind of earn the right to DM someone about the business, which means you have to pay attention to them first and care about them, their life, their world, what matters to them. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that that's, you know, one of the key parts to how you've grown your business, Angela. Yeah, look, I always say to my team, ask yourself, look in the mirror and ask yourself a question. Why would anyone buy from me? Why mm-hmm. would anyone join me? Have a look at your Facebook wall, your Instagram wall, and t- remove yourself from it and ask yourself, would I buy from that person? Yeah. You know, we because we talk about your ideal market and who your like who your avatar is and and who you're really appealing to. But yeah. if your wall doesn't doesn't uh like Speak directly align that with person. that person, yeah. then you know it is really just you know white noise. Yeah, I love that. It's it's almost it's like we've, we've met before in a past life because these are some of the things that we're really passionate about too. Making sure that you know who your tribe is, so you can speak straight to them and unashamedly chase that group of people only. Um, it'll make it so much easier to know what you're putting out there. I love it. So I've got a bit of a curly question here for you, Angela. And being that you've done this all before, I want to know if you could start your business from scratch again today. What would you, if anything? What would you do differently or would you do nothing differently? Well, I, I, I kind of have this um, rule that I never live in regret because mm, I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like you just got to trust the process, right, and know yeah. that everything that happens is leading you to the next chapter. I think the only thing I would do different is I, I sometimes think I wish that I had found the industry when I started my traditional mm. business Yeah, because the traditional business was so consuming and it really, um, you know, it, 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 it the investment was huge. 
And in the end, it actually didn't make me a better mum, which is what I was really looking for. It made me a cranky mum. <laughs> and I, and I, found, I felt like, you know, trying to be present in my children's lives was always a challenge because I, yeah. I was concerned always about what was going on in the yeah. shop. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I like honestly, I, I live in um, trust. I, I always say trust the process. Life is happening for you. Don't don't regret anything. Yeah. Even if even if you have had the worst experience ever, there is a reason why you're going through that. There is a lesson and you are going to come out of that bigger, better. And the next step, it could is going to be the step that's just going to give you exactly what you need. Yeah, I love it. All right, so we've got our fun questions here, always our favourites. First one is uh, what's your favourite book for us to add to our Accelerator book list, Angela? Well, probably after our conversation, this won't be a surprise, but Alan Peace, oh. Australian body, uh, body language expert, Questions yep. Are the Answers. So yep. that was one of the first books I ever read um, when I came into network marketing because yep. I don't know if you've noticed, but I like to talk a lot, right? <laughs> Um, we are women. We're, this is okay. This is yeah, expected. but I'm also I'm also Italian, so that like, and I talk with my hands, and I talk really fast. I did notice the hands. Yeah, yeah. So I had to learn how to listen, and that book really honed yeah. in on that. Um, it's, there's some really great lessons in there, and there's a there's a chapter on the five gold questions that you ask when you're first starting someone in the business. Mm-hmm. And and I I absolutely love that book. It it did change my whole perspective on the business. Yeah. And uh, I I actually feel myself biting my tongue after reading that book. Like I will ask a question and just bite my tongue, so I don't I stop talking completely, Sam, so that I can listen. <laughs> I love it. It's it's good. Um, and definitely, you know, we had um deep listening expert Oscar Trimboli on our podcast last year, and he spoke about. Uh, active listening and uh, so it reminds me a little bit of that it was a really fascinating interview that we did but um, so good to learn you know I'm, I'm always fascinated by um, yeah body language is such a big thing but also paying attention to the way that people you know hold themselves use their words even uh, just those those little mannerisms which you know it's powerful to pay attention to that stuff and it can tell you some very important secrets that you can easily miss if you're not paying attention. So I love that. I'm going to check that book out. So thank you for that suggestion. Yeah, Sam, I'm just going to add this too. I mean, when you think about this industry, it's yep. built on conversations that never end. So this book actually teaches you how to do that. Yeah, I love it. So good. All right. We're definitely checking that one out. So if you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a good one. I think I'd love to see the future. Because I think I'd run faster or I'd probably fly. I wish I had. I, I feel like that could be a really scary one too, though. You'd just be constantly worried about what you know is coming. I, I wonder whether you could change things like so to uh, to make it better. I don't you know. ever heard of the butterfly effect? Yes, yeah, I know. Um, but, yeah, probably to see the future. I, I like yeah. I'm quite a spiritual person as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, yeah, I do kind of feel like if I, you know, if, if you can, if, like, if you can imagine what the future is, yeah, and, and you can manifest that, people yeah. will work faster, they'll work harder, and they'll work with more intention. Yeah, so that would be Absolutely. definitely my superpower. Such a good one. All right, and your favorite quote? Well, that's on the end of my email. Um, I, I, it goes out with every email I have. It says, "Be who you need to be, not who others 
need to see. Ooh, and the, good the, the reason I think that's so powerful is because, you know, with the um, with the effect of social media mm. and there's this real element of, you know, lacking authenticity with yeah, a lot of people mm-hmm. who go, go on social media thinking, I have to be like this so everyone can like me. Yeah, but but the reality is that the the audience that they're trying to speak to likes the real them. So you know, I, I think that more than ever, it's such an important quote for people to remember because yeah. we are working more in the online space. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a really good one, and I fully, um, you know, th- that's one of the things I, I think we repeat so much is to be yourself. People, you said before, people need to like, know, and trust you. And they can't like, know, and trust you if you're not showing up. But yet comparison is something that I think particularly as women, but everyone does it to a degree. And you're right, on social media, it's such a big thing. We're constantly looking at the next person or the person that's doing really well and feeling like I have to be more like that or I'm not good enough. And so we we try and mimic others, um, whereas your customers, your tribe are waiting for you to be you. So, so good. Really powerful, Angela. All right, last one. If you could go back in time and say one thing to your past self, what would that be? Um, okay. Well, I think for me it would be trust the process. Yeah. Because a few times when I think back in my life and I felt that, you know, if I trusted the process more, I things could have, you know, the, the outcomes could have been better. Because ultimately I, I do believe that our our, our fate is already paved for us mm. and it's it, it's just that we have the opportunity to open different doors right yeah um and take different roads and you really I, I feel like if you know trusting the process if I could have said that to myself in my 20s yeah. um could have saved a, a little bit of pain I think it with and with maturity you'll learn how to trust the process more yeah, um, because you back yourself more. You know, you're more mm. in tune with yourself, and you have more confidence and posture in the decisions that you make. But yep. going back to my twenties, I think that would have been, you know, the best, um, you know, the best thing for me. Yeah, awesome, super powerful. Um, well, look, Angela, thank you so much for jumping in and joining us today. We really appreciate uh, your time and your wisdom. And there's been so much you've shared today that I know is going to be really. Um, helpful for anyone who's in this industry, maybe someone who's just starting out or even if you're thinking, what do I do next? So really appreciate you um, being so generous with with your time and your experience today. Oh, I've had an absolutely wonderful, um, you know, time here, Sam. I've loved, I've loved all the questions and I really hope for all the listeners, I, I know there's a lot of women especially that jump in and um, listen to these podcasts. I mean, I've always said this industry is purpose-built for women. You know, it is a way for women to really achieve the kind of life they want, to create mm-hmm. that balance. Um, I describe myself back in my 20s as that woman on a mission to find the perfect balance between career, family and lifestyle. That was my pregnant eight-month self. <laughs> and I was looking for that balance and this industry had it all along. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I arrived here that I went, where has this been my whole life? Yeah. So thank you so much for asking me to be a part of the show. Oh, such a pleasure. And look, Angela, if anyone wants to reach out or they want to find more about you, how can they do that? And we can pop some links in the show notes as well for people to connect. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always open to connecting um, with new uh, people um, on uh, Facebook, just my name, Angela Lucenti, and also um, I'm on Instagram as well. 
let's not worry about TikTok. I think that's a little bit. <laughs> I was let just me, Let me become more of an expert on that and then <laughs> I'll. Don't, I'll... <laughs> don't look for you there until you, you feel, you know, like. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> just, it's, it's one of those things that I think was built. I feel a little bit silly using it. I feel, but I've seen some people do such amazing stuff in that space, but I'm not naturally prone to singing and dancing and things like <laughs> anyway <laughs> although it is a great way to create the trailer to the uh to the hollywood blockbuster i i, mm. I can see that for sure yeah for sure yeah no look you're right you're right i think it's it's about uh, having some confidence to try something <laughs> new hey look we're going to focus on reels for right now and i'll just throw it out there reels are coming to facebook this year in australia they are already rolling out in uh, the u.s so probably by the time this podcast comes out, I would say a lot of our listeners are already using it. So I'll put my focus there for a little while. And if that doesn't work, I'll go over to TikTok. Well, I'm right with you, Sam. I'm, I'm loving reels <laughs> on Instagram. I can do those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I can't wait for it to, to come to Facebook as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. And thanks also to our amazing listeners for joining us, tuning in again this week. We look forward to having you all join us again on the podcast next week. Make sure, of course, that you subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't done that yet so you don't miss out on any of the fun action. But thanks again, Angela. Have an awesome week, everybody. Thank you so much. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there.